Welcome to the Freedom Maker Podcast with Tyler Jordan. This is episode 5. My passive income exceeds my lifestyle needs. Passive income. Who wouldn't want that, right? Exactly what counts as passive income and is it really possible? In this episode, we will discuss the different types of income and I'll give you some ideas to increase your passive income and how to cut your living expenses without compromising on your lifestyle. There are generally four different types of income. The first, active income, or we would say earned income. Second, leveraged income. Third, investment income, or we would call it portfolio income. And finally, fourth, passive income. Earned income is the most common of all forms of income. It has the lowest risk and the lowest return. It does require you to be present and you usually bill your employer per hour, per day, per month or per year, right? This is usually called a day job and your earned income is limited by time. Leverage income is based on arbitrage. Basically, that means you buy low and you sell high. If you're thinking about this, this being the income of most businesses, that's right, you're correct. So uh, if you do run a business, most of the income is, by definition, leveraged income. You hire a team of employees and you sell a product or a service at a price which is higher than all the costs of running the business combined. Your leveraged income is limited by the business model and its ability to scale. Next, investment income is based on appreciation in your portfolio. So, for example, you may buy assets like stocks, real estate at a certain price and through time, prices may increase. If you sell them at a higher price, that income is considered investment income. Your investment income is limited by the size of your initial investment and the difference between your buy price and your sell price. Passive income is the income generated without actively managing or working on the income producing activity. So stocks and real estate automatically disqualify cryptocurrency as well. I would also disqualify income from online businesses and from athlete marketing as passive income because you still have to manage it at the end of the day. You still have to build relationships with your customers and fend off competitors, past, present and future. When we come back right after the break, we'll dive deeper into passive income. So what counts as passive income? You can buy dividend stocks, which are stocks that pay dividends, usually once every quarter. So if you buy a couple of dividend stocks that have different payouts, you get paid, um, let's say you buy three dividend stocks, you get paid like maybe 12 times a year, you on average once a month, which can be great, right? Or uh, another way to get passive income is you could hold the rights or the patents or some form of royalty to an intellectual property that is valuable and that is being used frequently. 
So for example, you, you're a researcher, you're an inventor, right? You file for a patent, you have the IP rights to some uh, invention that is very um, crucial, very, uh, very game-changing, right? Uh, where every time someone else uses your intellectual property, you get a cut of it, right? Another way to get passive income is to have a significant sum of money and you leave, you save a significant sum of money and you leave it in the hands of a wealth management firm or some form of money manager with an agreement of some form of payout every month, every quarter, every year, right? That's passive income. Selling a business is also considered passive income. Even though you're actively working a business, you are not actually making its equity more valuable, like actively doing it. You're not actually making that part, right? Because you're running that business, okay? So what you're selling is actually the equity, which when you first started was worth close to nothing. But now it's worth x million dollars right so passive income usually requires a huge investment upfront which is very risky but the returns can be equally high and that makes it worthwhile if you're like me you can build multiple businesses with the intention of selling you know a few of them in the future at the same time you can put some money into dividend stocks buy and hold We'll go for another short break, but when we come back, we'll look at how to cut your living expenses without compromising on your lifestyle. Finally, we'll never feel truly free until our living expenses is less than that of our passive income. Why is this a challenge? Because most of us actually increase our spending the moment we feel a significant increase in our pay. So this is what I like to call lifestyle inflation or what is more commonly known as keeping up with the Joneses. If you're making 60 grand a year, you might dine at a fancy restaurant once every few months, right? Once you're making 100 grand a year, you put like a 10% down payment on that dream home and you you go for the 30-year loan. When you're making a quarter of a million dollars, you think of getting a Rolls Royce, a Bentley, right? It's never enough. So, how do we actually control? How do we cut our living expenses? So, let me give you four steps, right? First step, track your monthly expenses. You have to do that, right? So, this can be done with any money management app. You can download off the App Store, the Play Store, right? But if you're old school, you also can do it in a notebook. You need to note everything down. You need to find out your P&L, your profit and loss statement at the end of every month. Step two, you create separate accounts for these five categories. Checking account, savings account, investment account, growth account, and lastly, fund account. So let me explain what each of these five accounts function as, right? What, what, they, what purpose they serve. So checking account is for daily spending, right? Daily checking activities. So your your rent, right? Your food, your transport, your insurance, 
savings right savings is your rainy day fund right you you everyone needs to get to uh everyone there's there's a, there's a certain um spell that happens when uh when personally when i got to 10k like invest in in savings there's a spell like that just descends upon me that i can finally you know let loose a little bit right i can finally be a little bit more uh, i can finally worry less about my finances because i've got like five digits if it makes sense so aim for 10k right savings yeah the third account investment because we really have to force ourselves to buy and hold the stock market has proved itself time and time again that if you buy and hold you outperform more than 90 percent of the top hedge fund managers just buy and hold we are always bullish on american the american economy right uh the fourth account is the growth account which is what uh i usually um what i usually draw from what what the funds i usually draw from to buy books to buy audiobooks to buy courses so this is the investment in self, right? In the self. This is probably the one with the highest ROI. And lastly, the fun account, right? What's life without living? <laughs> if you're a workaholic like me, yes, this is important. Uh, it reminds me to, you know, not just work all the time and uh, appropriate some uh, resources to, to take a break, to have fun. So, uh, how do we appropriate our our income, right? Every time we get the paycheck, right? So, what do we do? Uh, what do I do, right? I put 10% of my income into savings. It's fixed, right? So, as long as I get my paycheck, bam, 10% into savings. And then, boom, another 10% into investment. And then, 10% into growth. And then, 5% into fun, okay? Of course, um, if you're, uh, depending on where you are in life, you might want to put more, you might want to put less for each and every one of these. Uh, and then the remaining 65%, which is what I have, right, is kept in my checking account. So once I hit, you know, let's say I hit, the closer I am to say, you know, six figures a year, 100k a year, the more it makes sense that I need to increase my uh, percentage or into investment right uh let's say you're making let's let's make it easy if you're putting if you're making 10k a month right if you're making five figures which is great right great number five figures uh putting 10 percent into savings means you're saving a thousand dollars every month which is decent right thousand dollars times 12 one year you have 12k um if you put uh 65 percent of that right if i keep it that way 65 percent as checking account i'm not sure if i want to spend six thousand five hundred dollars on uh, rent on mortgage right it should it should be mortgage right now uh it should, on mortgage on food i think it might be just too much right i might uh put more into investment i might just put my personal expenses i will keep it controlled uh at 2k 2000 maybe right um yeah, so 
personal expense uh, might decrease to uh, about 30%, you know, in accounting for uh, insurance, right? And all the other um, charity uh, and all the miscellaneous uh, expenses, right? So that's, uh, you want to increase your investment, I might increase it to 40% uh, so that I can keep everything else roughly the same, okay? So that's step two. Step three, cancel all unnecessary expenses like cable TV, your gym memberships, and all the other subscriptions you don't actually use, right? Cut down on spending things, spending on things that don't actually make you more financially free. So in Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich That Poor That, right, he talks about consumption versus investment, right? It's very easy to understand it. Okay, what what's a consum what's consumption, what's investment? So consumption is when you spend one dollar and at the end of the day you get less than one dollar back. Right? <laughs> Most of that is basically um you know food, the 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 things that you know the the fidget spinners, um I'm sure I'm sure the list the list is very long, but let me go to the other side, which is investment. What's an investment, right? An investment is when you spend a dollar and you get back more than a dollar, right? You get more than a dollar back in value or in cash sometimes, right? Most of the time. So definitely stock market, definitely real estate. If you you know own a few houses, a few rooms, you rent it out. Really, that can be an investment. But of course, if it loses money, it doesn't qualify for investment, right? Uh, at the end of the day, we want to spend, we want to put as much of our money into places where it can grow and minimize the places where it does not grow. It's it's almost too obvious, right? When, when we put it like this. Um, of course, it doesn't mean that we don't eat because we, we still have to eat, right? We can invest in ourselves. We can uh, give ourselves a great diet to, to be more productive, function better. But at the end of the day, we, we want to funnel all our savings to the other three accounts, right? The savings account, the investing account, and the growth accounts. And then finally, step four, be on a lookout for other states or cities with lower living expenses and taxes, right? But comparable lifestyle comforts. So this, this is really relevant for uh, people in uh, United States and uh, maybe some other larger countries, right? Um, how, how relevant is this? So... Uh, Places like, you know, Texas, Florida, where you, you don't have to pay state income tax and you only pay federal income tax. Texas, you know, it's, it doesn't go up to 50%, 56% like in Florida, right? And in, in, sorry, in California, excuse me, in California, right? So you, we want to be very careful because um, tax savings matter, right? Because... Uh, it's not easy to just move uh, to you know to uproot ourselves there's a cost so we, we probably have to be really prudent with our financial decisions so I am really grateful right side note I'm really grateful that I'm in Singapore 
our taxes are really, really low. The corporate tax is 17%. And if you're doing, uh, if your business is, you know, uh, within, if I'm not wrong, three years, uh, you get the first uh, $75,000, sorry, the first $100,000 of income, you get 75% off, right? You get to claim back 75% of the tax, which it's it's huge. It's It goes such a long way, right? And uh, income tax is like 1% to 10%, depending on your bracket, and uh, there's only a um, what we like to what we call a goods and services tax GST or in the Western Hemisphere is more commonly known as VAT value added tax. So the government taxes us on what we spend instead of so much uh, on what we make, right? So it's an amazing place to to stay in. Um, expenses aren't that high. It's easier to save money, and you know. Staying here for you know another thirty years, well, uh, it's easier to get ahead of the curve. So, um, this is a serious option to consider if you if you would like to move to Singapore, let me know. Hit me up, drop me an email, and uh, we could meet. Right, we could probably, uh, see what we can uh, what we can collaborate on. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, be sure to share, download, or follow this podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts from. If you'd like me to send you a link to a book on how to sell your business profitably, email me with the subject line episode 5 to admin at theecomstandard.com. That's A-D-M-I-N at T-H-E-E-C-O-M-S-T-A-N-D-A-R-D.com And I'll see you in the next episode.